This is the Stockton San Joaquin County Public Library. Welcome back to the Goodreads Virtual Book Club. I'm Brianna and this is I'm Elsa. Hello. And hello. And this month we read um, a book based purely on its cover. And that book was Pierre Nacy by Susanna Clark. This book is really like no other book I've ever read before. Um, just to tell you up front, this review is going to contain spoilers. Uh, Elsa and I have decided it would be too hard to talk around the spoilers. Yes. And it wouldn't be as good of a discussion if we didn't include them. So we're gonna include them. But a little short, quick summary of Piranesi. So the bare bones of it is you're following a young man, his name is Piranesi, and he lives in this hall, he calls them halls, in this world of classical statuary where he's really the only human inhabitant other than the person he calls the other. And I mean, that's the bare bones basics. Yeah. Um, so now we will get into it. Once again, spoilers will be included. So <laughs> we'll do our best, but it's this book is wild. Yes. <laughs> um, but basically we start out with meeting Piranesi and he's just kind of, he spends his days mostly alone, just kind of roaming this world. So the way it's set up, so the top level is like the cloud cover, like yeah. rain water, and that's where he gets all of his fresh water. The middle layer, which is where he lives, and bones of past humans, yeah. and lots and lots of birds. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then the bottom layer is like flooded, because um, great tides come through the halls. And the bottom layer is where he gets fish to eat, and seaweed. Yeah. He's really big on seaweed. <laughs> uh, so that's like the basic setup. And then populated throughout all of the halls are all of these different statuary. Um, and he almost treats them like his friends. Yeah. And also the bones. He like yes. has like little tasks throughout like fish, mm -hmm. uh, care for the bones, leave little offerings for the bones, yes. decipher bird messages, decipher yes. statues. He also uh, calculates when the tides will come yes. in because some of them create quite a lot of flooding and could be potentially dangerous. Yes. So he has journals, copious journals that he indexes of all of his findings and basically what he's done and what new room he's found. Mm -hmm. Cause he goes all over this labyrinthian place and kind of catalogs his movements as he goes along. Uh, the other person in this world that's an actual live human is called The Other. Um, and he's a very well-dressed older gentleman which yeah. is interesting, and we'll get into it, but Piranesi is kind of like a, I picture it as like Tom Hanks in Castaway. Yeah, so he's just, his clothes is 
older cattle. He, yes. he loses shoes. He had shoes mm -hmm. at some point. No longer has them. And no. kind of just... The other sometimes provides him with gifts. And he kind of just makes do with it. Um, yeah. But I do imagine him as looking a little rough. And yeah. then the other is like in a suit. And we kind of get the impression that he has a cell phone. And he brings him mm -hmm. gifts. And he's... The other's a little bit better off than Pyrene. Yes. Which yeah. I think is kind of like the first real clue, which is interesting because you don't notice it when you first read it. Mm -hmm. I didn't, that's for sure. Yeah. That something's not quite right with this world. Um, like Pyrene has basically only what's in these halls and what the other gives him. And the other is able to get things like shoes, bowls. He has some kind of communication. Whereas Piranesi is, I mean, just stuck with what he's able to find. Yeah. So, string. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and seaweed. He, yeah. Even his notebooks, the other gives him these notebooks yeah. with pens. Um, so the other is obviously able to tap into something mm -hmm. to get these items that Piranesi isn't able to do. Um, but he just kind of goes around and like his wanderings and the more things that he takes down and notices, it kind of starts to change and unravel his way of thinking about this world that he's inhabiting. Um, Cause he really doesn't know anything other than these halls. Like he has yeah. no memory of anything else like he always says like he's a child of this world and the house provides and yeah like the house is infinite the house provides right he's he just yeah seems very naive very innocent mm -hmm. and just it's like if you were if you were stuck in a room and all you knew was the room that's that's him and yes. he doesn't really yeah have memories or anything and no and yet he's in yeah. his like early mid-30s yeah. so you yeah. would think that he would have more memories than what he does um but the other so Piranesi and the other have like both kind of a friendship but like a working relationship mm -hmm. the other is looking for this great and secret knowledge that he will he believes is in this house and will give him like immortality, telepathy, the ability to fly, like all of these fantastical abilities. And Piranesi is helping him try and track it down because he is pretty much the only one that can navigate the house successfully. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's kind of their working relationship. Piranesi definitely feels more of a friendship towards the other than than the other fields towards Piranesi um and I mean we'll definitely talk more about that as we go through because it's, it's, it's where it gets wild yes um but that's the basis of their relationship and that's also why the other is giving Piranesi all of these tools so that he can basically help him find this great and secret knowledge. Yeah, and it all seems like it's in the interest of whatever the other is trying to do. Yes. So at some point, he has to travel far and it's like rocky or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then he notices, he notices that Piranesi doesn't have shoes, so he 
provides him with shoes. So, yes, yeah, and the only reason he provides him with shoes is because it was so far. And Karen AC yeah. was like, that's going to take a long time, or I don't really want to do that because he has nothing to protect his feet. Yeah, and also the other is afraid of the ties, afraid of drowning yes. or something. Yes, it's up there, <laughs> and it and you. It makes you think that this really is like a very labyrinthine world because mm -hmm. the other doesn't really seem able to navigate it yeah. in the same way that Piranesi does, nor kind of remember where he's going because the other pretty much stays in the same area the whole time. Yeah, he doesn't go past a couple of halls, but no. Piranesi really has explored the yes. scales. Yeah. And he goes everywhere. And that's kind of how he's found all of these bones of the dead. Like Elsa was saying, he cares for all of these different bones and gives them offerings and befriends them. Yeah. For lack of a better term. Yeah. He's named them. Kind yes. Of, not silly names, but very just like, this is the old man. Yes. Or this is the... The people of the alcove, like yes. very just like generic names. Generic names, but very specific to location. Yes. Or like what they have. Like he named one guy the biscuit box man. Yeah. But it's because he was carrying a biscuit box. Which is another interesting thing too, is it kind of makes you wonder about this world. Is Piranesi is kind of able to name things that don't exist. Like there's a woman and she has like a beehive on her head, but he's able to name the beehive, but there are no bees in this world. Yeah. Um, and he has like some knowledge of things that aren't in this world. Um, and that kind of starts you questioning how, how he got here. Like if he, you know, he and the other are the only two people. So how did he end up, how did he get here? Has he been here all along? Or did something else happen? Yeah. This is a good point to move forward a bit in the story. Because, I mean, it that's the very beginning is you're just kind of following him around as he does all of his different tasks. Yeah. Um, And kind of learning more about him and his character. And he's a very sweet, you can see he's very intelligent. Yeah. Um, but also very naive. Yeah. Like so he... He wants thing, he wants friendship and human connection so much that he just seeks it wherever he can. Yeah, befriending bones and stuff. But mm -hmm. um, he's very like scientific and yes, smart. But there's only so much he can explore, and that's where in the other's little task and the sixteenth person. Yes. Um, kind of opens up his world yes. yeah because yes and his world does start very narrowly it's just these halls take some time to unwind with canopy start streaming blockbusters classic movies documentaries tv shows and much more with your library card watch from any of your devices library patrons have four checkouts per month Visit ssjcpl.org to get started. And then the more he kind of explores this great and secret knowledge that the other has, the more he's like, you know, he does, he thinks that the other could be wrong. 
or that you know there may not be a great and secret knowledge that this other is looking for and that kind of introduces this character who Piranesi calls the prophet um, but he's like an old man uh, we don't know anything about him at this point in the story um, the only thing we do know is that he said when Piranesi first talked to him he didn't like him at all he thought he was like an arrogant and just not a great guy and yeah. now he likes him quite a bit which puts more speculation on like who is Piranesi how how did he get here if he's had a different life and that kind of puts Piranesi on a different trajectory because Elsa mentioned the 16th person and the prophet kind of solidifies that 16th person Piranesi thinks the prophet might be the 16th person. Yeah. He calls him the 16th person because he's counted all of the bones in the building, including, he includes himself and the other, yeah. and there are 15 people. And so 16 would be a new person he hasn't met yet. Um, and he determines that the prophet isn't 16. Mm -hmm. But he's also been told by the other that if he talks to the 16th person, he's gonna go crazy. Yes. And 16 is really, really bad. Yes. And so there's like writings on the wall that clearly aren't being written by the other or Piranesi. And he kind of like shields his eyes and tries to erase because he feels mm -hmm. like even just reading the words from the wall that 16 has written are going to drive him mad. Yes. And then after, especially after the prophet visits, he learns new names for people. Um, and so he kind of has these names that he thinks might belong to the people of the alcove or some of these bones. So he goes back to his journal, which he indexes his journals, which mm -hmm. is handy. <laughs> and he looks and he kind of discovers that he changed his journals. So you notice in the very beginning of the book, because each section, there's really no chapters, but each section yeah. is a different time. And you notice in the beginning, the first sections are 2011, 2012. Mm -hmm. And then he starts naming things or timeline of things in accordance to happenings. So it's no yeah. longer date like we see date, but date like in the second month when the albatross came yeah. to the Western Halls. And he notices in his journal that he's, numbered them differently that his journal one is actually journal 21 yeah and something has happened to his previous journals and he starts looking up these people that the prophet mentioned and you really start seeing the story more and more and more unfold in a completely different way than i thought it was going to yeah i I was ready for this to just to be like, oh, it's a weird world. And then mm -hmm. it took a turn. It took a turn. <laughs> and this is kind of really when it starts taking that turn is Piranesi kind of becomes obsessed with 16 yeah. and finding out who 16 could be. Um, that he really takes a deep dive into his old journals with mm. all of these names he's acquired from the prophet and names that he reads in connection to other names that he kind of starts to piece this history together 
of a man named Lawrence Iron Sales who led basically what was a cult uh, in the 70s of philosophy students on a hunt for great and secret knowledge, just like what the other is looking for, where they thought they could enter like an in-between other world realm by tapping into knowledge of people long dead and kind of communing with them. Yeah. Um, so one of them was they broke into a museum to talk to the head of this like bog man. Yeah. Who has a name, but I can't remember what it is. And supposedly he told Lawrence Arn Sales all about how to get to this other realm. So they kind of start with a ritual and then some people can go just by using their minds. Yeah. And some can't. Some need a little assistance. Some need assistance. Um, but that's kind of where it start you get into this they call it the theory of other worlds. Mm -hmm. But basically, you know, there are more worlds than what we know, than what our world is. Um, Piranesi perhaps may be in one of those other worlds, perhaps. <laughs> it's, I'm still, I don't know what I feel about that yet, still. Yeah, the um, entire book is kind of up for any interpretation. Yes, but I think, yeah. like, the idea of other worlds that attracted people, like, Lawrence Arn Sales really had, I mean, extremely devoted people. Yeah. And I think the, the, the attraction of these other worlds is like one, seeking out a knowledge that nobody has found before, mm. but also perhaps is an escape from your life, yeah. from the world that you inhabit. Yeah. And I think a lot of the people who are attracted to this theory kind of wanted to escape. Yes. Um, so I can't remember the character's name, but he was... Poor John. Poor some, James Ritter. Yes. Um, who was there in this other world for quite a bit yes. of time and kind of lost his lost mind. It. And um, that's what yeah. he's called in the book is Poor James yeah. Ritter. <laughs> and you really start to find out exactly what happened. So <laughs> Lawrence are in sales. In regards to poor James Ritter, ended up going to prison because he had him captured in his house in, like, behind a closet. Yeah. Um, which is wild, but that's not the only disappearance connected to this group that Lawrence Arn Sales led. There are many disappearances. Yeah. And basically everyone in this group disappeared. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that you come to find out that the other is a part of this group. His name is Dr. Ketterly. And you come to find out more about Piranesi through his research into these other mm -hmm. people and the journals that he himself kept that he didn't even remember writing. Yeah. And Piranesi kind of starts to think that he's actually gone mad, that 16 has, like corrupted his mind already because he read a little bit of 16's message 
Yeah. So he thinks he's gone crazy. Like he's either crazy now or he was crazy then. And he he can't quite put the two halves into one hole to make a narrative mm -hmm. for himself. Because he doesn't remember anything but the house where he's in. But clearly there was a him before he entered yes. this place. So he's, he has like an inner conflict of he like, does. what is going on? He does. He's kind it's, of stuck. Yeah. yeah. He's stuck between two places where, you know, here he is, Piranesi, who he is now, but he, who was he before? Mm -hmm. And he, that he's like stuck in between the two because now he's not sure what exactly is happening. Um, and so you kind of, things start to really take a turn, but like also go really quickly. Yes. Towards this latter part where we are now, where Piranesi is finding out more about himself, the other, and his before. Yeah. Times. Um, so... 16 comes back and um, he hears 16 and the other talking and then doesn't 16 write a message in pebbles? Yeah, so um, first it was like red paint or like chalk or something yes. and then like 16 secretly like puts out the rocks. I don't know if that's when he sees his name. Yes. I think that's when he sees his name. Yeah. Is 16 asks him basically, are you this person? And then his brain kind of explodes. Yes. Um, like he immediately wants to shut it down because he obviously, and it's hard to say because when he does meet the prophet, the prophet says that after you spend too much time in this, supposed other place you start to lose who you are yeah and that's what happened to poor James Ritter is he spent too long in this house and he lost his mind you forget and that's one of the side effects of being in this place is you forget who you are yeah and that's what happened to Piranesi he's forgotten who he was um I can't remember what his name was Matthew Rose Sorensen Matthew Rose Sorensen yeah. And that's what 16 writes in Pebbles. Are you Matthew Rose Sorensen? And it kind of just like triggers his memories. Kind okay. of. Yeah. It like triggers of. something in his brain that he knows that name. Yeah. But he can't really associate it with himself. Mm -hmm. So he goes back to his journals and he like, it's really interesting. He. He knows that it's himself, but he also doesn't because he separates the two yeah. selves. So they're very, like, Piranesi and Matthew Rose Sorensen are very separate. Like, they're one body, but two different people somehow. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And that's when you figure out that Matthew Rose Sorensen was a scholar who was going to write, a, like, um, dissertation on Lawrence Arn Sales and his theory of other worlds. Yeah. And went to interview all of the people left, which weren't many, <laughs> in this circle, this little cult that Lawrence Arn Sales yeah. made. 
And he did reach out to Lawrence. I think he was still in prison, though. I think so. And that, that's when he re like rejected the interview or yes. the conversation. Yeah. yeah, he wouldn't speak to Matthew. And then, so Matthew got in contact with Dr. Ketterly, or who we know as the other. Mm -hmm. And basically, and this is where, in my mind, I start to question whether this house, this place that Matthew or Piranesi is in is real, or if it's just in your mind. Um, but basically, Dr. Ketterly is like, hey, do you want to go to this <laughs> other world? I can take yeah. you. And Matthew is like, well, this is a bunch of BS. Yeah. Like, it's not real. So sure, let's go. Yeah. And Dr. Ketterly performs this ritual. Matthew drinks this tea. Yeah. And then he's transported into this, this world. This world, yeah. which is kind of like, in my mind, like a purgatory. Like, it's... It's an in-between world. It's like a gateway world. Mm -hmm. Supposedly, it could be... I mean, it's... this Again, like Elsa said, this book is really up to your interpretation. Yeah. And there are so many ways you can interpret what it means. Yes. <laughs> and we haven't settled on one yet. No. <laughs> um, but, like, it's like almost like a gateway. Like, it's a, it's a house of, of knowledge that... Can you know, and all of the halls can lead you to different ideologies. But I truly am still on the fence of whether I think this is an actual place or if I think it's purely in his mind. Yeah, I feel the same way. Um, I mean, could it all could it be a metaphor for like? addiction or I think we we saw some interpretations online about it being about writing mm -hmm. or reading seeking knowledge it's hard to say it is what you want it to be um, and there's also yeah. in the very beginning and we saw many interpretations of this but Susanna Clark includes a little snippet of The Magician's Nephew by C.S. Lewis um, it says, I am the great scholar, the magician, the adept, who is doing the experiment. Of course, I need subjects to do it on. And I feel like that's a perfect, yeah. you, you don't even see it until you get to the end. But that's exactly what Dr. Ketterly and Lawrence Iron Sales are mm -hmm. doing, is they're using these people as test subjects, yeah. basically. But again, who's to say? Are they actually going to a place? Or are they opening up something in their minds Yeah. where they think they are? I don't know. It's tricky. It's tricky. But Lawrence Arn Sales did say he was a magician. Like, he basically yes, he said did. he was a magic person. Yeah. Um, and Dr. Ketterly kind of is directly following in his path, mm -hmm. but they hate each other. They do, and yet they do the same things with uh, poor James Ritter. Poor James Ritter. And Matthew Sorensen, which he... It wasn't completely voluntary that he ended up in this world. No, he... It We're was not voluntary. It. Yeah. He did get stuck in it. He didn't... And he didn't know... 
what exactly was happening yes. and what he, you know, he was like, what he kind of agreed, not agreed to. Mm -hmm. And then you learn that Dr. Ketterly is the one who named him Piranesi, which Piranesi is a real person. He was an Italian man who did a bunch of etchings and drawings of uh, mythical imagined prisons. Yes. Which... We are now offering Chromebooks and hotspots, including charging cables, for checkout. All kits come with an easy-to-carry bag and are available at your nearest SSJ CPL branch. Check for availability by calling 209-937-8221 or check out the online catalog at SSJCPL.org. Again, Piranesi in the book is kind of is Dr. Ketterly's prisoner mm -hmm. in this world because he can't get out. Yeah. But also, could he perhaps be a prisoner in his own mind? Yeah. And at some point, he does say, I think the other calls me Piranesi to make fun of me or when mm -hmm. he's speaking to somebody else. He's like, I think, I think this is the mean thing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So it's hard to know. It's really hard to think, know. Yeah. There's so many like little parts where it's like, oh, is it? Oh, in his mind, is this yeah. real? Is this? What do you mean? That? We yeah. would love to know what you guys think yeah. too. But if you think it's real, <laughs> comment below. If you think it's in his mind, comment below. Yeah. All we want is to talk about this <laughs> with other people. Um, but so that really kind of sets him on this trajectory where then now he wants to contact 16 because he's like, well, do the other Dr. Ketterly has been lying to me this whole time. Perhaps he's lying about 16 too. Mm -hmm. And he finally does meet 16 and 16 turns out to be a detective and her name is Raphael and she's been looking for Matthew Rose Sorensen since he disappeared. Yes, his family's been looking for him. His friends have been looking for him and she became involved. Yes. And then she asks him, basically, you know, if he wants to leave, and he he doesn't know. Yeah. Because he's so stuck now mm -hmm. between these two places. He doesn't know, and it's actually kind of really adorable. But he, his lo his longing for human contact. He asks Raphael how many people are in the world. And she was like, I don't know, it's a lot. You know, in her world, he calls it the other world. And he was like, do you think there are 70 people? And she says, yes, I think there are 70 people. And he questions her. He's like, well, how do you know? Did you count them? Like, he truly has yeah. no idea anymore of what his his life was like yeah. before he became Piranesi. Like in the very beginning too, I just remembered, the other kind of tests him occasionally by bringing up different words from Matthew's past that he, Matthew would know, yeah. but Piranesi doesn't. And one of those, he brings up the town of Battersea, mm -hmm. which is where Matthew, I believe that's where he went to interview yeah, Ketterly. Uh, Dr. Ketterly, yeah. and Piranesi doesn't know it. So yeah, he, the other- it's just some weird word he's made up to test him in some way. Yes. Which it is kind of a test, but not in the way he thought. No, not in the way Piranesi thought. So he does d d eventually decide 
to leave this place. And it's not necessarily because he wants to be reunited with his family. Mm -hmm. Because that's something that Raphael mentions is like, don't you want to see your mom and your sisters? Yeah. And he doesn't know who they are anymore. He's not the same person. No. He doesn't feel, he feels for them that they've Mm -hmm. lost their, their son or their brother. But he doesn't himself know them. So he can't really miss them. He feels the same empathy and sympathy for Matthew that he feels for Matthew's family, even though he is Matthew. Yeah. And he knows that he is Matthew, but he, he is and he isn't anymore. And then when he does get out, it's like Matthew and Piranesi are two very polar opposite ends of this man who now no longer kind of relates to either, Mm -hmm. either personality. More fracturing of the self. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, he, I mean, truly, he is like a very fractured person because he, he doesn't know who he is anymore because he's not Piranesi anymore. He's not Matthew Rosaurus and he's another her. He's someone else. Someone who's existed in both worlds and now is... Is is on a different trajectory. And this new person doesn't even have a name yet. Yeah. He doesn't name himself. Because he doesn't know where he stands, basically. Um, He's, you know, he's been captive either in this real place or in his mind place. I truly don't know, Um, for so long that he doesn't know how to do anything else. Yeah. And at the end, we kind of get a sense of like, well, where is he? Yeah. By how he's narrating things, you're like, oh, is he back in this world? Is he in the real world? Is he like in this recovery from... This state of mind yeah. he was in, it's... It's hard to say. Yeah. Because he, you know, you see him and he's going to meet Raphael and he's walking down the streets and every person he sees, he relates to a statue mm-hmm. that was in this other other place. Um, and he wants to tell people, like, hey, in this other world, you were a king, you were this, you were that, but doesn't. Because, I mean, in a way, I think he knows that it won't get interpreted well by other people. But also, he's, again, he's so fractured. He doesn't really know who he is Mm -hmm. or or what he's doing anymore. Yeah. And sadly, that's kind of where it ends. That is where it ends. (laughs) You don't know what's happening. And supposedly... He is able to travel back and forth mm-hmm. between this hall where he was and this other wor- yeah. world, which is the other world, I don't yeah. know. And certain people like Raphael is also able to travel back and forth. Mm-hmm. And they do because they seek a certain solitude yeah. away from people. Um, and it's kind of, again, it's up to you, the reader, to decide whether he goes back or whether he stays because he's not even sure which one he wants yeah 
and I don't know if this is helpful, but Susanna Clark had written this when she was going through like a bout of um, chronic illness and she felt really isolated. Yeah. So it's like, I know it's even more confusing. It really is. Up to interpretation. It is. Because I also read an article and Susanna Clark said this is kind of like the writing process where you are very isolated, but you're basically building a new house and adding rooms and rooms and rooms to it but you are the only inhabitant until you fill it with other people. So it could be interpreted as a large scale writing process. Um, it's, again, it's perhaps we're overanalyzing it. Yeah, perhaps. but that's the fun part about this book. Yes. Yeah. Is it so easy to, to analyze it and kind of put whatever stamp you want onto it? Because mm -hmm. it's so, there's so much symbolism and allegory that it really could be kind of whatever you want yeah. it to be. It is the perfect book club book. <laughs> it is the perfect book club book because you just, like, I after I finished it, I put it down and I was just thinking to myself, what did I read? Yeah. What, yeah. what did I read? And I can't tell you exactly why, but I really, really mm -hmm. love this book. Like, I, it's... Yeah. It's super short. It's only 250 pages, but it packs a punch. It, it does. I, the first part, it's a little like it's you're trying to understand the world and it really gets going and you're going through a roller coaster of emotions, emotions and, and questioning. Is it real? Yeah. Is it not real? What's happening? But I mean, and I still think about it. I'm like, is it real? Is it not real? I yeah. still don't have a definitive answer. I did, yeah, I don't have an answer either, but it was a very satisfying read. Somehow. It was. It yeah. was very satisfying. Like, it told a full story. Mm -hmm. The story ended. And then it's kind of up to you to decide what happens to Matthew or whoever he becomes yeah. from here on out. But knowing that he's at least in a better place than he was yeah. in the halls. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, if you have read this, please do let us know what you thought below. We'd love to hear your thoughts about it. Um, and stay tuned for next month. Next month is, well, officially October. I guess that's the end of this week, isn't it? It is. And we're going <laughs> to be reading a spooky book called Imaginary Friend. So I hope you'll join us then. All right. Thank you for tuning in. See you next time. See you next time. To stay up to date with library news, follow us at SSJCPL on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or visit our website at SSJCPL.org.